Good evening and welcome to the Monday edition of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamantungwa Kumalo. It's episode 195 of the Private Property Podcast. And if you're joining us for the first time, well, you've missed out on quite a lot of great content that we have brought to your screens. So do make sure that you go back to some of our old episodes on Facebook as well as on YouTube to catch up on all the great episodes that we have had so far. And to all our regular viewers, welcome back. You know how we do it every single weekday. Hot property topics and help each other along our property journey. Whether you're renting out, you're a landlord, you're on the market to buy a new property, sell a property, looking at growing your property portfolio, making sure that you want to know everything that you'd like to uh, know in order to best position yourself to make the best property decision. Well, this show certainly is for you. Well, it's a Monday edition. We're certainly going to have great episodes uh, in the coming weeks. And as usual, it's never just a private property podcast with myself, Zamanto Kumalo, but we also have other amazing shows across our social media platforms. I am talking about the farming podcast with Umbali Nuoko, which comes to your screens every Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. So if you know that you've got those green fingers, then do make sure that you watch that show. It will help you along your your decisions when it comes to all things agriculture. And then on Wednesdays, SD Klassen brings you the first time home buyers show at 8 p.m. where she gets to talk to people who've walked that journey. She explores some of the mistakes that they did, uh, some of the mistakes that they made, but also the things that they got right. Because we want to make sure that we save you time and money on your property journey. And over the weekend, Chad brings you the Home Shoppers Show, where he gets to profile some of the best estates and uh, complexes that the country has on offer. So you certainly have a lot on your plate that you can pick from uh, across our social media platforms. And of course, in your TV screens, you can tune into Mzansi Cribs Makeover uh, that comes to your screens every single Thursdays at 9.30, where Utadomba brings you that show and it's got the repeats on Saturday and on Sunday. So we always have a lot of property content that you can chew on and get to enjoy. But also we're on your social media platforms, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. You can also follow myself on at Zamantungo underscore care on Instagram as well as Twitter. Love talking property and helping each other along on our property journey. Now talking about it, helping each other along on our property journey, that's exactly what we're going to be doing. This evening, you know that on Friday we spoke to Mike Addison. We were talking about, um, you know, insurance in the community schemes, and really had a good understanding of how insurance and community schemes effectively works. 
And he did, you know, give a hint and we did give a hint that we're also going to be talking about insurance uh, this evening. And we're going to be talking about understanding the anatomy of a property insurance claim, because I'm sure many of us, I was actually saying to my guest of a, were saying that more often than not, you'll find that a property owner will maybe deal with an insurance claim once in their lifetime. I said, listen, I've actually done quite a few of these. Um, and it may be because it's a manager of multiple properties uh, as opposed to one. So I think that's probably one of the reasons why. And this is something that you want to get a handle on because it can be quite intimidating. Uh, a lot of paperwork, sometimes you're not sure how you explain what is wrong. I mean, you, they often want to, you to explain, okay, what exactly is wrong? What's, it, what's happened and all these kinds of things. So we're going to be exploring the anatomy of a, um, of, a, of a claim when it comes to your property insurance claim. We're going to be looking also at what happens when you know there's a rejection. Uh, more often than not, there are essentially three reasons why there'd be a rejection. We're going to explore, um, you know, the three kind of brackets that a rejection is going to fall under. We're also going to look at, you know, what happens if you want to complain about your insurance claim. Perhaps the insurance company you're dealing with uh, is not treating you particularly well and you're not getting a lot of joy with them. I know a lot of us sometimes tend to be on that boat where you struggle uh, with the, you know, with the broker that you're dealing with. So how do you then make sure that you complain who do you complain to? How do you go about complaining? And really helping us best make sure that when we do have that insurance claim, we have it, it we end up having you know, a payout and a smooth journey. And I think that's one of the things that we want to explore this evening. I want to hear from you at home. If you've ever had to make a property insurance claim, what were you claiming for and what was your experience uh, as we explore this topic this evening? And before we get into it, it is Monday, meaning we've got a new clue for our Sherlock Holmes competition. And of course, that new clue uh, for our Sherlock Holmes competition is just in land for the mother, from the mother the city in a student town that grows wine you'll find three rooms to play in in a secure estate that's valhan fedden i already know i actually already know where this one is i'm not gonna give it away but that is the riddle number four of our of our sherlock holmes competition of course for our sherlock holmes competition you stand a chance of walking away with five thousand rand voucher every single Friday for the next 12 weeks. We are in the fourth week and on Wednesdays and Thursdays, we do a 500 rand spot prize. So enter as many times as you'd like. Get your friends and family to enter as many times as they like. They need to be watching us live because in order for you to claim the spot prize on Wednesdays and Thursdays, you need to be watching us live. It is that easy to win across uh, our private property social media platforms, especially right here on the private property podcast. Well, to get us started with our Monday uh, conversation, I am joined by Douglas Haig, who's the MD of CIA Building Insurance. Douglas, good evening and thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Zoma. Thanks. Uh, it's great to be here. And yeah, you, welcome to the listeners. You know, Douglas, I was saying to you earlier uh, of uh, that insurance people, I'm, I'm one of those people that uh, always has to almost, I always think twice when I have to deal with insurance people because there's a sentiment that I sometimes hold that look they're always after your money you pay your insurance on time that debit order never bounces and by the time it's time to have you know an insurance claim then there's an issue and I'm sure there's so many people at home who've probably have that sentiment even though they've never had a bad experience with an insurance company but I think so many of us hold the sense that look uh, insurance is a bit of a scam 
and we just pay it because you want to be able to sleep a bit easier. Oh, uh, but of course, this evening we want to better understand the you know the anatomy of an insurance claim because it is one of those things that as homeowners we as we're seeing off where you may have to deal with at least once in your lifetime and you want to best understand you know what actually goes into a claim what's the process of this claim so almost take us from you know the top of there's something that happens at home and I need to lodge a claim, what would, what would be the steps or how would that process essentially look like? Okay, cool. Thanks, Amma. Um, I must just say, before we get into that, you did open the door a little bit. And the, the importance of insurance, and I just want to say this. Uh, remember, as a property investor, you face many risks. And some of the risks you can manage in different ways. For example, a tenant, you can have a credit agreement and um, you can have uh, lawyers helping you find uh, or drawing up the correct agreements and vetting your tenants. The One of the risks that you face as a property owner is the destruction of your property. And that's the one risk that insurance has been really designed and, and, and really works wonderfully to protect you against. And, and that's what I was saying to you earlier is that, you know, insurance can... I mean, uh, bad things can happen to all of us at any time and, and indiscriminately, but being able to recover from a bad experience like the destruction of your property, um, that's where insurance comes in, into its own. And, and I think that's the problem as in an industry, we, we sell trust, we sell promises, and that's, that's a tough game because it's easy to be taken, it's easy to take advantage of people when that's what you're doing. So. I suppose, yes, the idea tonight is just to give you a bit of a background into an insurance claim and, and try and make it less uh, daunting when you have to deal with insurance to try and give you a bit of an insider's view on an insurance claim and how it would flow. So I thought the first thing, I'll just say this about an insurance claim, um, and it's easy to say it, but really it, it is important, is be prepared. Now, what does that mean? Um, yeah. For property, I just I just wanted to mention uh, four quick things. Um, being prepared in the home, uh, one thing would be having a fire extinguisher. You know, for 150 rand, you have the ability to to stop a fire before it gets out of hand. Um, you're not always going to be able to use it, um, but it's definitely worth having for the low cost. Um, very importantly, um, know where the water switches or the water tap to cut off the water to your property. So um, sometimes it might be outside the kitchen door, other times it's out in the garden. Know where that valve is because trust me, at least once or twice, you're going to have a problem that you need to get the water cut off quickly. And uh, knowing where that is is going to help and save a lot of damage. The other thing, uh, also in the same vein, know where to switch off your electricity, know where to switch off gas. And then lastly, have on your cupboard or on your fridge or somewhere, just a list of emergency numbers. Um, it really, in a, when the claim or when something bad happens, just knowing who to call can, can take a few seconds and knowing that you've got a, a list up there with the, the numbers ready at hand um, can make a lot of difference um, that you're not searching for numbers and, and the like. So that's now, that's now being prepared, but you know, when a claim happens or when something happens, the first thing I always tell people is don't panic. And that's pretty, I know it's again, it's a bit obvious, um, 
but it's it's something that you've got to almost mentally prepare yourself for that there's a lot you can do in any situation and you mustn't underestimate your ability to handle situations so for example um if there's a fire try and put it out um, don't just you know drop everything and run out the house um, you should do that as well if you if you if you're not successful in putting it out but often you can put out a fire if uh if your house is flooding um pick up items off the floor put them on the tables um if you can put towels under the doors to stop it do that there's a lot you can do from from that perspective to to almost um make a bad situation or contain a bad situation mm. but often you can't and 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 we've seen it we've seen a tornado come through Krugersdorp that takes uh, the roofs clean off of a apartment block that flows that throws cars in the air um you know we've and in a situation like that the best thing is you have to have to be safe but then the question is okay then what happens now after that so there's a fire and your house burns down or there's a tornado and your roof is blown off what do you do on exactly at that point and uh and this is where it's difficult to i can't explain every situation but i just wanted to show from an insurance perspective how we would view it and and the first thing would be to is to keep yourself and your loved ones get them to safety and be safe and if that means running away and leaving everything as it is then you do that um the second thing would be to try and where possible mitigate further loss and that would be something like um if your window has been blown out and there's rain coming in you try and close it up with a with a with a, a bag or something yeah. um, a plastic bag you know obvious things the next thing that we do is 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 um take photos and take videos that's very easy these days keep a a, a video record um if there's a massive storm it always helps um if the water is coming through the walls take the video it's 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 really it help it will always help you later on in the process take photos um if there's items that have been damaged you know don't just throw them out and get rid of them put them to one side that again it's going to be useful uh down the line if if you if you do encounter a problem So there's like the the pre-insurance claim steps and then you get to this point where you realize okay now I have to lodge an insurance claim. And it's the next day and you're sitting and and you know well, how where do I go start? So the first thing would be to say if you're in a a, a body corporate or in a community scheme um there will generally be a, a process that the community scheme has decided to follow and it may be you know you phone the trustee or you um phone the managing agent or you phone the broker or you send them an email so my advice would be if there's a process follow the process it generally um results in a, a quicker and more streamlined uh, settling of the claim however if you're not getting joy in the process you know you're always welcome to uh you're entitled to contact the insurance company yourself directly and say um i need your assistance i've i've had a you know calls on my cell phone from a guy saying i need to claim i don't know who to phone but i know i'm insured with you and i need to put in a claim today you know and we and we help people like that. um so yeah it's good to follow the process if you can um the next thing is yes keep uh keep photos keep video 
um, evidence. The, normally, you have to fill in a, uh, an insurance claim form. Now, that is a bit of admin, but it's important for there to be uh, an almost, it's a record of what happened. And uh, also a record that you as the owner of the property are claiming against the insurance. So there is a, a legal reason that we have a claim form and the, you don't always need a claim form. There are certain times where we, where we don't have a claim form, but generally if you're submitting a claim after something has happened, you'd, you'd fill in a claim form and sign it and send it in. So that's, that's, that's building up to a claim, okay? I think maybe it, it would be worthwhile then just touching on um, the three reasons why a claim wouldn't be entertained. And what, would, what could be the reason that your claim is not paid out? And, and this is important because if your expectation is correct, um, you'll have a better experience. So in our, in, in our world, in our world is the, the property insurance world. So it's different, obviously, to, to cars and to uh, TVs and you know, electronics insurance and your cell phone insurance. This is really property insurance. But in our world, there's really only three main reasons why an insurance claim wouldn't be uh, uh, valid. And the first and most important one, and you guys touched on this, this uh, on Friday, uh, Zama, was something that happens gradually over time. Yeah. So anything that's been happening over time um, will almost always be excluded uh, from cover. The only, the only exception to that rule um, is, is your geezer. And your geezer is, is, is what's happening in your geezer. It's rusting slowly but surely. And at some point, um, over maybe after five or six years, it leaks, it springs a leak, and that is due to rust, and that's been happening over time. And that's covered. But all other things that happen to your property, if it's been happening over time, for example, mold or a crack, you know, that's starting to crack and the paint is starting to chip off, these things are not uh, insurance claims. That would be maintenance-type uh, claims. And, and that's part of the maintenance of a property. The other big reasons, and the reason number two that a, a claim would often be um, rejected, is because of defective workmanship. So this is also quite a, a difficult one, because um, if something is installed or built, and it's not built to the correct standard, the likelihood of it falling over or collapsing or, or um, being damaged is, is almost certain or very high compared to if it was installed according to the correct standards and procedures. So you guys would know this on, you know, in, in the property world, you've got building regulations. Yeah. And these regulations are there exactly for this purpose because, you know, a brick wall, if it's not a certain thickness and it's built too high, it will fall over. It's whether it's a child pushing it over or a, um, uh, you know, just uh, uh, some water pushing it or, or a strong wind, a wall that's not built correctly will fall over at some point. And it's, um, and that would be a good example of a claim that wouldn't be valid because if it's not built correctly to start with, it's not going to, if it fails, it's not going to be a fortuitous event, which is an event that no one could predict. Yeah. So that's quite important. Um, it's a difficult one because sometimes you don't know. And that's, that's the challenge 
Um, they didn't know that the wall and 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 the challenge is insurance uh, to be sustainable and to be effective. It has to be based on a baseline of standards. Mm. Um, so you know it's got to assume a, a base of because the pricing of insurance is based on the probability that something will happen. So that the probability that a tornado will tear through Krugersdorp, you know, uprooting everything in its path, there's a, there's a mathematical probability for that. And, and the actuaries that, that work to price insurance, they take that into account. But if you now have um, a wall that's not built correctly, the chance that it will fall over is, is almost 100% meaning that the insurance premium that you're going to have to pay to insure that wall is going to be the, the 100 much percent yeah. yeah much much higher and that's and that's the challenge with it um but luckily in in especially in south africa and the new property legislation you know defective workmanship uh, firstly you have recourse against the contractor you have recourse against uh, the previous owner of the building if he sold you something knowingly that was uh, faulty and you also have the NHBRC, which also um, steps in at a certain stage. So that that does help with a lot of uh, these type of things. The the other thing that's just important to remember with defective workmanship is that it had to be material to the loss. So be careful. It's yeah. like the smooth tires. You know, if your car gets stolen but your tires were smooth, it's not fair for your insurer to reject your claim. In a similar way, you know, if if your house uh, burns down and one of the walls wasn't built uh, thickness, you can't reject the claim because of that. It, it has to be material to the loss. So it's important to remember that. And then the last thing, just to, to specify the last bucket that a rejected claim would usually fall into, is where there's a specific exclusion or specific item that's um, not included per the policy. So some policies will like exclude any damage by monkeys, you know, that would be, and then that's just the condition of that policy. And, you know, this is where an insurance broker, and I mean, you, you had a great chat to Mike um, Addison from Adger, who are insurance brokers that specialize in sectional title. And this is where the value of a good broker comes in, because a good broker will explain to you that in terms of this policy, these are the things that would be excluded. And they would tell you that up front so that you know about it. And that then when you do claim, they would also just remind you and say, yeah, but remember, that event is not covered. Mm -hmm. That also helps to reduce the, uh, the, the, the confusion and the, the difficulty with it. So that's pretty much the three. Um, and it's such an important, you know, Douglas, I think it's, it's such an important three things to note, right? So it's, um, you know, to our viewers at home, we are talking about understanding the anatomy of property insurance claims. And Douglas has taken us through a very great breakdown of the, you know, three exclusions where your claim is essentially just going to get rejected if it falls under these three things. So you want to make sure that it doesn't fall under these three. The first one is in the event where the thing that you want to claim on has been happening gradually over time. 
and we spoke quite at length about it uh, last week Friday with Mike Addison around how, you know, if let's say it's a leak in your pipe and it's been leaking over an extended period of time, that's different from when there's a pipe burst. So then the pipe burst would be covered, whereas if it's a leak over a period of time, that is because, you know, maintenance is essentially needed. Uh, the second one is defective workmanship. And we always emphasize this one. You want to make sure that you're working with trusted uh, contractors, accredited contractors, uh, because in the event where something wrong happens, you're able to, there are proper channels, essentially, um, that you can follow to make sure that you hold them account accountable um, for the poor workmanship. And that last one is in the event where there's a specific exclusion um, as per the policy that you are, um, that you've essentially taken up. So those are the three reasons why. I did, of course, ask you earlier at home, I definitely want to hear from you uh, in the event where you've had a property insurance claim, uh, what was the experience like and perhaps what was the thing you were claiming for? Now, I was saying earlier, I've had quite a few property insurance claims. Um, all of them went relatively okay. I think there was one that was particularly stressful and there was a lot of back and forth and back and forth. Um, ultimately, there was uh, you know, a payout as opposed to them fixing and paying the contractors themselves. Uh, whereas in previous times, you know, the, they got in the contractors and the contractors did the work and insurance paid them directly. And, and I think for me, the biggest thing is probably the admin of it all. Um, I know that, and you know at home, I always confess I, I'm very terrible with admin and, and almost trying to avoid it like the plague. But I certainly want to hear from you. I see you've got a comment here from Umata Shingane, who says, I was so impressed the one time I had a claim with my insurance and they only needed a picture. Uh, there was no paperwork needed. Uh, which is fantastic. It's what Douglas was saying earlier that sometimes there are some claims where you won't need paperwork, but for the most part, it, they will. And it's because of the nature of how they do business um, in insurance. So then, you know, Doug, now we understand the things that definitely do not, um, you know, that insurance typically wouldn't cover. We have a good sense of that. And we also have a really good sense of what to do in the event where something happens. Because I think you this such a nice breakdown of what we can do now as we are living in our respective homes. There's nothing that's happened. And then obviously in the event of an emergency, certain active steps that you can take in that moment. Uh, I particularly like the tip around knowing where various switches are because in the event where there is that, you know, burst pipe in your house, knowing where you can just switch off the water supply helps quite significantly because it, it's, a, it's a difference between more water flooding up more space um, and potentially like going higher, meaning that, you know, more of your uh, property gets exposed to water. Even knowing where, you know, electric switches are and those kinds of things becomes very important. And I know that sometimes when you live in a community scheme, you don't know these things, you're able to quickly call security, they would know. Uh, but for those of you, of course, who live in your own uh, freestanding homes, it's so important to just know where to quickly rush off to um, to switch off whether it's water and electricity in the event where something happens. And of course, make sure that your family is safe um, where, as you're attending, of course, to the particular emergency. So then in the event that where um, you're dealing with an insurance uh, broker or an insurance company and you're not getting any joy because as much as Martha and myself have had great experiences, I know that there are also people who sometimes don't get a lot of joy. They filled in the paperwork, they've submitted the pictures and the videos, but they still 
um, aren't winning in terms of their insurance claim, what are some of the steps that viewers at home can sort of actively take um, to make sure that they, they're essentially um, attended to? Okay, yeah, that's it's so unfortunately it does happen that um, uh, and, and there, there are two types of disputes that you can have or two types of problems that you can have. The one is that you're not getting feedback or you're waiting too long, okay? And that, the best way to deal with that, um, let me just explain, obviously you've got a broker um, who's, and your broker remembers your appointed agent. So even if you're living in a body corporate, the, the broker is being paid by the body corporate to act on behalf. So the broker has a big responsibility and that's where a good broker will shine is with claims, is that they will actively chase up and, and, and know who to speak to, you know, and come and see the person if they need to, you know, and, and get quite quite involved. person that, that will be involved in your claim will be someone often called a loss adjuster or claims assessor. Now, this is a person who's appointed by the insurance company, um, usually as an independent party that comes and views the damage and assesses it. They'll be responsible for sourcing quotes often. Um, if you need an engineer, they'll generally be the one to, to uh, enlist the services of an engineer or an architect. So this person is a loss adjuster, but once the claim um, starts moving along, he almost becomes a project manager. And especially in the case where the insurer will appoint a contractor to do the work, the loss adjuster will be there. He will be uh, there to monitor the work and make sure that it's happening according to the right standard. So complaining, uh, well, following up with the broker is your first port of call, then following up with the loss adjuster. If you don't come right there, um, get in touch. And, and it's, always, it's also a good practice generally. Once you've registered your claim, find out who is the claims handler at the insurance company. And it's important to, to know the name um, of the person and the telephone number and get the email address. Because then again, in a situation where you're not getting feedback, you can contact them directly. And often that's the quickest way to getting an answer. Now, you could have a situation where uh, you've submitted all the documents, everything is fine, and you get an email back and saying, sorry, uh, or a rejection letter saying, we're not going to pay your claim. Mm -hmm. What do you do? And this can be, uh, and I think, you know, this is, can be a, a scary experience, and I want, to, I want to just kind of give some tips on how you can handle that and, and, and hopefully resolve it um, in the fairest way possible. So the first point of call, you've received a letter, rejection letter, what do you do? You reply to the broker or to the whoever sent you the letter. First, obviously read the letter um, and check the reasons and, and, and make sure that the, you know, in terms of the law, the insurer is obliged to give you detailed reasons for why the rejection has been uh, or the plan has been rejected. So make sure that those points and why you disagree with them, because that would be your first point is, just to go back to the person sending it to you and say, please, I do not agree with this decision. I would like it to be reviewed by management or by senior management and give the specific reasons. You know, the, this is why I don't believe um, what you've said is correct. That will then generally go back. And, and I know at CIA, for example, we have a four-stage process where, you know, each, there's four times that you can go back um, and you know through the process so 
Once you've asked for a review, then you, you will get what's called, if it's still being rejected, you'll get what's called an uphold rejection letter. And this is where what they should have done is they've reviewed it, managers looked at it again, and decided based on the facts now. At this point, I would generally advise, ask for whatever reports that the insurance company has, has got. So if they've appointed a loss adjuster, ask them, can I have a copy of the loss adjuster's report? Or can I have a copy of the engineer's report? Can I please see it? Um, I feel quite strongly that insurance companies should be transparent with that type of information. Um, because it's, at the end of the day, a lot of the, um, the rejection should be, it shouldn't be based on a whim, it should be based on facts. And those facts would be recorded in a, in a report. Um, so that's a good way. And then once you've reviewed that, get hold of that. And, and once you've reviewed that, um, that's when I'd um, then submit a formal complaint. Something um, which is also a good tip to remember is that most financial institutions and definitely almost all insurers will have a complaints department. And the complaints department will be separate from most other departments. Departments. Yeah, and it's the same in the banks, um, and the same with the life insurance. And it's a very handy because I just think about our complaints department is we want them to, you know, to be dependent. We don't want them just to whatever's happened in the claims department for them just to repeat. We need them to think independently and say, let me just look at all the evidence from from start, and let me just see what what is the the the, the pros and the cons. So sending an email to the complaints department um, is a very good step. And again, just try and set out your reasons. If you have, um, if, you know, if you're, if you've had a, a, often you might, if it's if it's serious enough, you might uh, consider getting your own engineer or your own contractor to give you a report saying it does happen. I've had cases where there are two engineers and they have opinions and you'd think but they you know they're both proper professional engineers they're both looking at the same circumstance how can they have different opinions but it, it does uh, you know and so and so you want to present that information to the insurer and just say listen what the insurers should then do and what they normally will do is they'll say okay we've got two opinions let's have the two opinions talk to each other and find out and we've done that often where we have two engineers that will have differing opinions and between them they'll, they'll decide yes this is the right approach mm. um, you see so the key there is transparency and fairness and obviously always where there's doubt the benefit should go to the client that's just the you can insist on that if if you know if it's a 50 50 decision then it should go in favor of the the client that's that's just um, the way we like to see things but most, most good insurers have that philosophy. Mm -hmm. The last thing then, in the complaint, you should get a proper response. And in the complaint, you should then, the response will tell you, listen, um, uh, th these are the next steps. And, you know, for example, in our uh, complaint letter, uh, they put in my email address. And that's, it's, you know, just something that, even if, if it all went wrong and you're still not happy, send me an email and, and let me at least look at it and, and try and see if there's anything we've missed. Mm. Anyway, through the process, you can approach the ombud. And this is, and this is a, 
a really good safeguard in the industry and it's something that you can uh, take a lot of comfort in is that the the ombud is a service to insurers and it's designed to make a fair adjudication of claims so you can approach them they'll then assess the facts they'll come back to you and the decision that they make is not binding on you but it is binding on the insurer so if they say cia you must pay this we have to pay however if they say cia you don't have to pay this and you still feel strongly you can still approach the courts um, and and pursue a legal action and so the decision of the ombud is not binding on you so it's a good something to have look unfortunately it, it is a bit more admin and you don't want to necessarily go through the process unless you're very sure and certain of your plans mm. and i think it's probably also just one of those things that um sometimes you think as they've been so many back and forth so many back and forths uh that you probably want to throw in the towel i know that a lot of people tend to not want to approach any on it doesn't matter whether it's insurance mm-hmm. or whatever um issue that they currently have at the moment uh before we round up i'm going to read one last comment from youtube this one is coming from Khaled Gobe who says i remember my uncle had difficulty claiming with his insurance after the neighbor's child had bumped their car into the wall uh, and i know that that's also one of those issues that we tend to typically have um you know with uh, kids playing around with the cars and then you know there's damage to vehicles and other people's you know properties whether it's a wall or sometimes even driving all the way uh into the house itself i've certainly had a lot of i've heard a lot of those kinds of stories and um, that do tend to be quite tricky when you you know want to do an insurance claim and um, also trying to establish whether people have third party insurance how we should be working and those kinds of things and unfortunately sometimes you find that some parties don't have insurance and so it just becomes quite uh you know a big issue um altogether but Douglas before i let you go you know any final tip for our home owners at home when it comes to making sure that they have the smoothest journey when um when when they're dealing with their property insurance claims i mean i'm even wondering right now in joburg we've had rains for the past two weeks uh, i'm sure that people who probably had some kind of water damage we've seen even in other parts of the country uh prior to these rains was the you know cyclone eloise and uh the damage in in mbopo in in bomalanga and all those kinds of things we've really seen damage to property because of uh weather almost across many parts of the country you know what big almost one what final tip would you give to our viewers at home um in order to ensure that they have will say the smoothest journey possible because once you have been hit by a crisis like that especially when it's weather related right because i mean we've been having rain think just like the first day of seeing sun um after two weeks straight of not seeing it at all so many things are happening sometimes the last thing you think about is insurance maybe only now you start thinking about insurance sometimes the damage is so big that some of your documents are also damaged and it's just quite a lot that's happening so any final tip for our viewers at home uh, when it comes to those kinds of things i think when it comes to um definitely at a time like now uh, things will get busy and this is why insurance is there and it's and it's so you don't feel you mustn't ever feel um that you uh you know don't don't let it don't be put off by the process or um thing um that's the first thing is you know uh, 
if you've paid your insurance and you believe you've got a valid claim, then push pursue it. Um, you know, sometimes the, the, the information is difficult. You might get conflicting reports. An insurer uh, or an assessor will take photos and that shows old damage and then there's new damage. And so sometimes it's, it's not always simple. The claims can be complex and then you need to have patience with it. The, the biggest thing I'd say from, a, from keep making your insurance journey plain sailing or smooth sailing is have a good broker. Really, um, brokers uh, that they, they take a, a, a cut of the commission or the cut of the, the premium, but that's regulated in terms of the law. So you're not paying one broker more than another. So for the same amount of money, you can have a really good broker. And a really good broker, you know, is someone that will help you out on a Saturday night. You can phone him. You've got his number. And uh, I just think, and he's the person that, his whole job is to, manage the the stress and the, the complexity that goes along with insurance and that that to try and keep it as smooth as possible so there's really a lot of value and he understands all the terminology he's he's expected to know all the exclusions all the fine print anything that's different about your policy than the normal policy he should know it and having a good broker that will tell you that and keep you up to date that's that for me is and we see it in our clients. The good brokers, um, you know, have the happiest client experiences. And they fight for their clients. I mean, really, having a broker that fights for you is uh, it's, it's, worth more than his weight in gold. Really, it's a, it's, a, it's a good thing. And that's quite a great place to leave it there, Douglas. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank you so much, Alan. And, and that is Douglas Haig, who is the MD of CIA Building Insurance. I do hope that for many of you at home, you're going to make sure that you've got the right broker. If you live in a community scheme, then you also want to find out if the broker that the community scheme is using is a good broker, because you also want them to be able to advocate for you. I know that in the many experiences that I've had, the good thing that I can say is the brokers have actually been really good. So in as much as it's been very admin intensive lots of back and forth i can you know without doubt say that the the brokers that i've dealt with along the journey were quite good and did give me a good experience and if anything they were fighting for me with the insurer um on the other end and that's why i got all the payouts even though there was quite a bit of admin uh, along the way well that's it from me Zamantu Kumalo, and the rest of the private property podcast team here on monday evening uh, we are of course back on new screens tomorrow evening at 7 p.m until then hoping you're staying home and staying safe
Brian Kepper. I'm a 10-time South African motorcycling champion. My family and I have chosen to live in Fourways. There's some really great suburbs in our neighborhood. There's a lot of families living in the surrounding areas in places like Lone Hill and Cedar Lakes. What draws people to Cedar Lakes is that it's so close to Broadacre Shopping Center, Cedar Square, and Four Ways Life Hospital. Lone Hill is a major drawcard for many families. It's got some great smaller commercial centers and some fantastic schools like Crawford College. From an entertainment point of view, Monte Cassino really comes alive at night. There's so much on the go, and there's an incredible energy in the area. Our family just loves the fast-paced lifestyle that Fourways brings. But honestly, the thing that attracted us most to this area was the active lifestyle that it offers. As a family, we've chosen to live in Fourways because of the lifestyle and convenience, and this is our neighborhood.